friends, you've now entered the Man Cave Podcast, unplugged and unfiltered. This is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items, like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave, and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-V and Toys and Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. This episode of the Man Cave Podcast is a Dan Casper Show instant replay. Segments from my radio show, the Dan Casper Show, replayed right here on the Man Cave Podcast. Enjoy. Leading things off here this morning, Packers defeating the Bears to get to 5-8 and eight on the season. Packers now finally have their bye week here, which um, probably comes, you know, we say this every single year, um, but uh, comes at a good time. Packers probably could have used it a little bit earlier here this season. But uh, nonetheless, Aaron a little banged up, said uh, after the, with that thumb and rib injury, said that uh, eh, after the bye should be non-factors. David Bakhtiari... In case you didn't know why he didn't play yesterday, he had an emergency appendectomy on Friday. So Zach Tom, the rookie, getting some more reps over there. Thought the offensive line overall did a did a fairly good job. Aaron mentioned after the game, uh, only went to the ground once there. So, um, but now you got Romeo. Aaron kind of let it, you know. And I don't know if anybody caught this, and I didn't really see people talking about it, but um, in the in his post game interview on the field kind of mentioned that Romeo Dobbs had a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a setback kind of he said he kind of uh uh re-aggravated or 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 kind of you know tinged up his ankle again in practice but um as he's working his way back so but hopefully after the bye we'll be able to see him on the field with one Christian Watson and such but uh nonetheless had to get to the bye feeling pretty good five and eight they're still not out of it if you're looking at playoffs chances they're Depending on which one you want to look at, they improved a couple or a few percentage points. But, uh, you know, when you look at Washington, the Giants, and their schedule, they got tough schedules coming up here. But it won't matter unless Green Bay wins out at this point anyways, too. And, of course, Seattle's always a wild card in this instance, too. But, nonetheless, let's maybe take it uh, week by week sort of thing here. Uh, yesterday's game, we saw Christian Watson again. With uh, with a couple of touchdowns, one receiving, one rushing, it's kind of cool the last few weeks to see him become uh, a go-to guy. And not only, I mean, Aaron's going to him on third downs, fourth downs, tight coverage. There's some confidence building in there, both from Aaron's side and in Christian Watson's side. Christian Watson, according to the NFL, has now joined an exclusive club. Joining the likes of Randy Moss and Odell Beckham Jr. as the only rookies in the Super Bowl era to catch at least seven touchdowns in a four-game stretch. Not bad company uh, to be put in there, right? Not bad at all. But the emergence of Christian Watson, from what we have seen from Romeo Dobbs when he's been on the field, you got to be excited about the potential of this one-two, right? I mean, these top the, this this wide receiving duo. 
you have to be excited about it a little bit, don't you? I mean, come on. You're seeing the speed of Christian Watson on display. You're seeing the Packers use him not only as a deep threat, but you're seeing him being involved in the running game on those jet sweeps. Heck, you're seeing him involved across the middle of the field doing different things. you got to be excited about this. Right? you got to be excited about that. So I know at the beginning of the year, there was like people already throwing the towel in on, on Christian Watson because he was... You know, go through a concussion or, or a hamstring injury, and people just like already throw it. It's like we never learn with this thing. We never learn. Patience. A lot of us don't have. I don't have great patience, but it's like, hey, just chill out here. And it's not saying Christian Watts is going to go out there and be a pro football favor, <coughs> excuse me, or even a, like a Devonta Adams, Packers type of career. But, I mean, you got to like where it's trending now. You gotta like this, especially when you kind of think of Watson and Dobbs potentially in the field together for for years to come. At this point, I'm liking, I'm liking the trend, and I'm liking the confidence that Watson is now having, and I'm liking the confidence that uh, Aaron has with this with his rookie wide receiver right now, going to him, going into him, going to him, and. In uh, clutch situations, too. Like that touchdown, catching the end zone. Going to trusting him uh, to go there. I'm going to get to back to Watson here in a second. But uh, A.J. Dillon, you got to give that guy some love yesterday. Ran hard. I mean, he ran hard. 18 carries for 93 yards, 5.2 average. Had that touchdown there. Uh, Aaron Jones was a little bit banged up with a shin injury. Ran the ball just for nine times for 26 yards. Uh, they did try to feature him right away early in the game. You can see that. Uh, also had five catches for 24 yards. But uh, A.J. Dillon stepping up big time yesterday in that role. Devondre Campbell returned uh, to the lineup, led the team in tackles. Jair uh, was second on the team of tackles, actually led the team of tackles for losses. But kind of maybe an up and down type of performance, you know, allowed those uh, big pass plays to uh, to Harry and EQ. Anybody see Jair's comments about uh, about J- uh, EQ? By the way, post game, well, I'm going to see if I can bring these up here. But I mean, kind of calling out his 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 former teammate here um, uh, a little bit. I'll see if I can bring those up but essentially calling them kind of slow and and uh slow coming out of the breaks and and that's talking about his interception you know he said he kind of knew it that uh yeah oh yeah here we go Packers Jerry Alexander are giving up a 56 yard catch uh, to his former teammate EQ nothing man he is scrub I can't believe I let him catch that on me but hats off to him because he did make a good catch it's like okay Call him a scrub. All right. Come on, Jair now. But you, know, you gave up two big pass plays, and you did redeem yourself with that interception, but also kind of yeah, bailed out with that missed field goal, block field goal on that uh, one drive there too. Nonetheless, so um, Packers defense kind of stepping up in the second half. They're only allowing three points after – after giving up 16 in the first half, I mean, in the first half, I think we were all kind of thinking, especially after Justin Fields 
made that uh, long touchdown run. It's like, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. Right? I don't know. But after that, after that one run, Packers kind of, you got to give them a little bit of credit. Now, whether it was a defense or maybe it was the, the, the play call, I don't know, but Justin Fields led the Bears in rushing, six carries for 71 yards. 55 of them came on that one carry. David Montgomery, 14 carries, 61 yards. Justin Fields was 20 of 25 passing, but he did have two picks, no touchdown passes. So, I mean, you know, give, give I guess, give Green Bay a little bit of credit for second half, kind of locking down uh, the run defense there. A little bit of a tip of the cap. But I want to get back to, to Christian Watson here. So, shout out to, to Surveyor Sam for for sending this over yesterday. But I'll play a little bit of a clip from, from Aaron's post-game press conference. He was asked about the emergence of you know Christian Watson and how well he's been playing. And he was asked something similar to this earlier in the season about, you know, Dobbs and Watson, could that, you know, affect his decision if, you know, their emergence and their play as youngsters. Uh again asked yesterday after the game about Christian Watson and, and how well he's playing and uh and how that could affect his, his decision in the future. So I'll play this clip, audio courtesy from Packers.com, and you give me your response or your thoughts on, on his answer. you got a lot to think about once the season ends, but will Christian's rapid development factor into that at all, just the promise of a, a pretty bright future? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, uh, I left Cal, and I could have came back with uh, Deshaun Jackson, at receiver and Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. Um, I don't regret it because things have turned out pretty well. But that's uh, uh, that would have been interesting playing with those two guys. Played Marshawn for a year, but I say that because the way that Christian's developed, you definitely got to feel good uh, organization with uh, his development. It's a rapid, wild development that it's hard to think about another player who goes from. Uh, being kind of um, here and there, minimal production to go-to type player, uh, home run player. I mean, he had two, you know, what, 60-plus yard touchdowns, it seems like, uh, last week, catch and run on a short one, and then end around. Uh, pretty special. So it all factor into it, but uh, there's got to be mutual uh, desire on both sides. Mutual desire on both sides. Uh, Matt Schneidman, who covers the the Packers for the Athletic, um, kind of said that uh, he he read it as, "I want to come back, but I'm not certain they'll want me back." And he, as he said, maybe I'm wrong, but mutual decision on on both sides there. So I don't know. Don't know if there's anything to that. Don't know if there's anything to read in that. But what are your? How do you take that? What are your thoughts on that? You can let me know with the text if you'd like on the Shoe Doctors bullpen line seven one five eight three zero one nine one two or on Twitter at d a n k a s p r facebook dot com slash casper sports or you can also put it up on uh, the video stream there too.
Uh, Eric Jones had this to say about Christian Watson. That man got some burners. He can do it all. Uh, it just helps us. It gives us so many options. It keeps us versatile. I love having a weapon like that. Anytime he touches the ball, he has a chance to take it to the house. Watson is the third Packers player behind Hall of Famers. Johnny Blood and Don Hudson with seven or more touchdown catches and multiple touchdown runs in the same season. He is also the first rookie since Clinton Portis and the first rookie wideout since Randy Moss with eight touchdowns over a four-game span. Think about that. The, just these, these last few games for, for Christian Watson. People are going to ask the what if. Aaron was asked about it in, in his postgame presser yesterday. The what if. What if Christian Watson was playing like this at the beginning of the year? What if he was healthy enough and able to make the plays that he's been able to make, to, to make right now? How different would this season be? Everybody's going to play that what if question. And I get it. And I totally get it. I think, yeah, we all like, man, what if? What if we had just seen this or we had gotten this maybe just for a couple weeks earlier? You know, maybe at Detroit. You know, at Detroit, do, they, do we get that W? Buffalo, well, you know, maybe. Washington, you know, you're just like, what if? Because Dallas was kind of the coming out one, right, with the three touchdowns there. Tennessee had a couple more. But what if? I think it's safe to say that he, you know, if did, did, did you beat Detroit? Yeah, maybe. Washington? Yeah, maybe. And it's a completely different position that this team is in right now. But, and again, it's, it's hard not to kind of maybe get a little bit a little bit excited about the potential of, of Romeo Dobbs and uh, and Christian Watson as a receiving duo for the Packers for the next few years. It's hard not to. And, you know, you put yourself in a position like, like Aaron's at, 39 years old now. You got two youngster wide receivers that have shown some pretty darn good promise. Aaron called Christian Watson, you know, game changer, big play, big play hitter. Yeah, you kind of like, hey, maybe I do want to play for another year. Maybe I do want to stick around here for a little bit. Take advantage of these young wideouts. See what we could do in year two. It's hard not to kind of think about that a little bit. It's not a given of how it's going to all play out and and that sort of thing, but it's hard not to. A little bit there, right? So if you're kind of wondering about the the playoff scenarios right now, if if you're still holding on to a little bit of a little bit of hope, a little bit of glimmer of hope, this is where things currently stand. And we got you know Tampa Bay and and uh, the Saints tonight, but right now in the in terms of the NFC. Green Bay, what the heck is that? Uh, Green Bay, if you, uh, I don't want to, yeah. They are, wow, <laughs> okay, hey, ESPN, figure out your your, your standings here. But uh, Washington is still is in that A spot. 
Um, they're just on the outside looking in. Seattle's at seven. Detroit, hey, you know, Detroit motivation. You know, if you want to, you, you got to be feeling maybe pretty good about your team. You saw your, your rookie wide receiver getting activated, St. Brown. I mean, they've got a couple of nice young duos over there. Jamal Williams is having a heck of a year in terms of rushing touchdowns. But uh, Detroit, Atlanta, Detroit's at five and seven. Atlanta, Green Bay, five and eight right now. But I guess if you want to kind of look at the upcoming schedule and try to figure this out, I, I I'm guilty. I did it yesterday with the playoff machine, yeah, you know, playing around with it, making some picks and sort of thing. But you know, Philly taking on the Giants. You got the, I mean, the three teams that we're probably eyeing up here right now is you know Philly or excuse me, uh, the Giants. Washington and Seattle. Now things are kind of thrown out there with San Francisco losing Jimmy G as your starting quarterback. I mean, do you factor that thing into it here a little bit? Now all this is going to be mute if Green Bay doesn't win out. I mean, they they got to take care of their own business. But, I mean, if you're kind of looking at the upcoming schedule, Phillies at the Giants. Washington has a bye. Um, Carolina's at Seattle. Seattle is a little bit of an easier schedule, in my opinion. I mean, if you want to throw San Francisco in this conversation, I mean, they still got it done against Miami uh, yesterday. But they got Tampa Bay next week. Um, Then they're at Seattle, talking about San Francisco here. Uh, Week 15, you've got the Giants in Washington again. Please don't go on another tie, or maybe do go on another tie. Who knows? Then the Rams come to, to Green Bay. Which you know, Rams are just—I think they're done. They're—I they're, mean, Matthew Stafford's done. They're—they're they're done for for this year. You look at Week 16, Washington's at San Francisco. That game's depending on how San Francisco goes and sort of thing. But that—that's an intriguing one. Seattle's at Kansas City. Um, you're looking at uh, the Giants are at Minnesota. Packers fans probably going to be rooting for the Vikings there. But that's the Christmas Day matchup where Green Bay visits the Dolphins and all that speed at wide receiver there. Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. Week 17, you've got uh, the Colts at the Giants, Minnesota at Green Bay, Jets at Seattle, San Francisco at the Raiders. Which Raiders team is going to show up? Cleveland at Washington, now with Deshaun Watson. That'd be a little bit of a different game. And then week 18, you know, a lot's going to depend on you got Giants at Philly, but is Philly going to rest starters and such? you got Detroit at Green Bay, which looks like a pretty darn good game now too. Rams at Seattle. I, I don't know. Your tailgating headquarters is at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Their top-of-the-line meat department, which includes the Dan Good Burger, will make you the talk of your tailgate party. And the dips for snacking? Those are what will make you an MVP on game days. And you never have to worry about Hy-Vee not having what you need because their shelves and coolers are always stocked up with your favorite goods. Be the MVP of your tailgate party with the help from another MVP. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire, located at 2424 East Claremont Avenue. First things first with, with the Badgers here, uh, Justice uh, Football. So uh, a couple of the, the big things here. The, I think the, the bowl game is probably third on this list right now. But yeah. uh, <laughs> Jeff Patrikas on Saturday from the, uh, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, he's reporting that uh, the expectation is Jimmy Leonard is going to be back. Now the Wisconsin State Journal 
Uh, hasn't been able to confirm that, but uh, they're hearing that he was offered defensive coordinator, which is interesting since one of Luke Fickle's assistants, or at least both of his defensive coordinators, were reportedly coming over, which includes Tressel. So, you know, how that's going to sh- all shake out. But, you know, I just saw Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. He had just tweeted a couple minutes ago that he expects the Jimmy Leonard situation to kind of uh, unfold today or, or get finalized today. But, if Jimmy stays, if that if that's all on the up and up, if Jimmy stays, Justice, just how big, in your opinion, is that? Not only just for for the talent for for this for this uh, football program, but maybe just to kind of keep that continuity in the locker room. You think? Oh, I think it's huge. I think it would be really huge if this ends up being the way it's going. Now, you know, there was reports yesterday that nothing had been decided. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, the, the fun back and forth of, uh, you know, kind of like the tennis ball going back and forth. The ball's in uh, Jim Leonard's court right now, which it should be. I mean, he should have the choice to figure out what he he wants to do. But I think uh, if they can keep him, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, the guy is highly touted, highly respected. If you get a guy like that, it's almost like having an, another head coach on the team. So I, I hope he stays. I think everybody hopes he stays. I and but obviously, I think we can all understand if he decides that he wants to leave. Mm-hmm. I think you know, kind of going. You're probably going to broach the subject, but it kind of goes same as go, goes with Graham Mertz. When you get a change in head coach, you can understand if somebody decides that you know, the, the writing might be on the wall, right? For Graham Mertz, but yeah, if Jim Leonard stays, that's great. If he goes, I think he's he's got plenty of opportunities. But that would be a coup if they could keep him. So I think on Friday I saw. That Dave Aranda fired his defensive coordinator, Baylor fired their defense coordinator, and there was some speculation: could that be, you know, Jimmy or Jimmy Leonard going and joining up forces with Dave Aranda over in Baylor? That'd be one heck of a defensive combo over there. Holy moly! Yeah, I think you know a lot of it has to go into is where does Jim Leonard feel the most comfortable? Yeah, if he's comfortable living in Wisconsin, being able to get home if he wants to, you know, back up to Tony in that area. Yeah. Because that yeah, was I kind think, of what he said about uh, the the Packers thing too. Was he, you know, he turned down that defensive coordinator because he, you know, family and just like you know younger kids and living at home in the Madison area. Yeah, I think I think you know if Wisconsin's home and you, I, there's a lot to be said about that. I think uh, you and I can both you know kind of relate in working in the media. There's opportunities to, if you want to go somewhere you can, but if you're comfortable being where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot to be said with that. And you know, people can say the money, money, money. Not that that's coming from me, but <laughs> anything like that. But, I mean, but yeah, I'm not getting offered quite what Jim Leonard would ever get offered for stuff. But yeah, I think uh, if you're comfortable where you're at, that's a, that's huge. It really is. So I hope he stays. But again, more power to Jim Leonard if he decides to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, Graham Mertz, as you mentioned, uh, Luke Fickle uh, did talk a little bit with uh, with the media yesterday. He said he did try to tell Graham Mertz, you know, he was kind of pushing, hey, stay, stick around, see what we're doing, see how we're going to rebuild this, and that sort of thing, but he respects Graham Mertz's decision to enter the transfer portal. I mean, some of the comments that uh, I've seen on social media for, I mean, we got to remember this kid's like 20, 21 years old, too. You know, just yeah, let's... I'm, not enough people remember that stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. Without, yeah especially on the social media. Verse. Yeah. I was like, holy moly, people here. You know, it was like three years ago, everybody wanted him and were pumped about him. And now you're, you're saying stuff. It's like, you got to remember, you're, he's 20 or 21 years old here, guys. But uh, yeah. uh, I, yeah, like you said, no big surprise. And, and I think, you know, if, if it were me, it's totally understandable. And he's got, what, maybe a year, two years left? 
if he's got if he really wants to maximize his chances or or just get a fresh new start, I totally get this decision from both sides. And maybe it's good for Wisconsin too. You know, it could be yeah. good for Wisconsin. I think this is just a change of scenery thing, which is good for Graham Mertz. Unfortunately, I think a ton of pressure was not only put on Graham Mertz, but he was, you know, I think ultimately it was a decision that maybe, you know, that was Paul Chris hung on to Graham Mertz as much as he could. Yeah. And, you know, he, he put him out there and, and maybe at points to the point where maybe he didn't, hadn't earned it on the on-field play, but I think uh, it, it for Graham Mertz, yeah, I think a change of scenery would be great. And maybe, you know, Mertz has skills. We all know he has the skills, and maybe the system just never fit him. Right. They just never had it right around him. So to see him, maybe a chance for him to go somewhere else, we'll see the Graham Mertz that was, what, a four-star recruit? Yep. The number two in his class? The guy has talent. We just get, you know, I just, I don't know if Wisconsin ever had the right tools around him to give him a chance to do it, or the offense was designed enough around him to uh, give him a chance to flourish. Because he hasn't put up bad numbers. It's just clutch situations have been rough mm-hmm. since, man, pretty much other than the Duke Mayo Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> There's just been some rough situations there. So I think more power to Graham Mertz if he wants to go take a look somewhere else and, and, and get a chance to play a fresh start. And I think that helps. Honestly, if you're Luke Fickle, that means, okay, well, now I can bring in somebody on my own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, The transfer portal's full of quarterbacks right now. We saw Iowa get a new one, get one of the quarterback from Michigan. There's going to be people out there, and with Luke Fickle attached to the Badger program, I think you can get somebody in the transfer portal oh, yeah. if, you, if you need to. I agree. I agree. Uh, so in case you didn't know, the Badgers, they're going to the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, which is going to be on December 27th against uh, – I'm a man. I'm like 52 now, however old he is. Uh, Mike Gundy, <laughs> Oklahoma State. So uh, you got that to, to put on your, your calendars. Oh, that should be a fun match. You know, the, I think the bowl game, I'm more curious to see how it's all going to – first of all, who's going to play and what role Luke Fickle's going to have in this. You know, because he said he's going to be involved – in some way, coaching whether you know, I, I just I'm kind of first impressions, right? It's going to be our first impressions, a little bit of a glimpse of maybe what Luke Fickle and his staff can do, right? Because he's I don't think he'll be coaching on the side. Like if I, you say if the Jim Leonard stays, do you assume that he would be the guy who coaches? coaches this team? I think so, right? You'd think I would think so. Yeah. So I mean, we'll get a look, and uh, honestly, then it's probably got to be Chase Wolf, right? Yeah, as a starter, because if Merch is in the transfer portal, you're probably not bringing him out. I don't even know if you can. <laughs> I don't think you can, yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, you get Chase Wolf as your starter there and just, like you said, see who's playing because, you know, there's probably a few of these guys that are, are going to be in the transfer portal mm-hmm. yeah. that haven't already announced. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this next couple of weeks play out here to see who's going to be <laughs> on the field there when they when they take on Oklahoma State. Maybe we'll get a glimpse of uh, Miles Burkett, the you know, 2021 Gatorade Wisconsin Player of the Year, too. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, the, I would. I'd be up for it. I mean, why not? It. Yeah. Why not? You think that maybe they'd kind of almost. I know it's a bowl game and you want to win, but do they almost approach it like as a, almost like a preseason type of game? You know, for these new coaches to kind of get a glimpse of some of these players. I think it would be good to do that. I think uh, if you know who's going to be back, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, why not go out there and you know, I. It, it's such a weird thing, probably for Luke Fickle right now. Yeah. Come into this still. It's a lot to, you know, a big game like this to be played. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and I'm sure he doesn't want to completely over, you know, if if Jim Leonard is going to be the head coach for that game, you don't want to overstep. And right. I think he kind of said that in his press conference. Like, he'll be there, 
But you also don't want to probably be the guy who's just completely overtaking everything that's gone on, especially because these guys are still in the midst of a season. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's kind of a weird balance that you're going to have to see here for the next couple weeks. Yeah, because, you know, I'm sure they're factoring in this might be the last game for a lot of those players, too, you know, seniors and that sort of thing, too. So you want to do that, do do it right for them, too. You know, you, right. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you do, you, you don't want to just go out there and throw too much at the wall mm-hmm. when you have these seniors who it's their final game. Right. You want... You would love to send those guys out with a victory because for those seniors, and you imagine what they've went through last four or five years. Mm-hmm. It's been crazy. It Not has. only coaching changes, but to imagine playing through the COVID era as well. So, yeah, I think there's a lot that for those guys you want to get a win to yeah. send them off and thank them for their work at, at Wisconsin. COVID era, you had some tragedies too, um, you know, with, with some passings, you know, with yes. uh, their former teammates and then. Uh, was it the the former running backs coach that uh, passed yes. away too? So, yep. man, it's been a just kind of a, a crazy last few years for that Badger football program, no doubt. Uh, really quick before we have to take a break uh, because there's so much with with the Badgers. Wisconsin Marquette basketball game that was pretty entertaining. Wisconsin bouncing back with a big win in overtime against Marquette. So Chucky Hepburn, I mean that was his game. Got hurt. A lot of nervous people, but he ended up coming back. But that's a big game. Uh, that's a big win uh, for that Badger basketball team. And I think that's big for Hepburn, too, after the struggles he had mm-hmm. earlier in the week and just not getting that last shot off against Georgia Tech to come back in uh, or Wake Forest. Wake Forest, on. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Some team down that area. But, <laughs> yeah. Thank the black you. and gold jerseys and that. Right, so. <laughs> exactly. I, I probably pick them to win in the bracket, and they they lose. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for them to come back and get that win against Marquette, and that's always a big game because it's you know it's in state bragging rights. So mm-hmm. yeah, on the road to get the win against Marquette, huge, and yeah, Chucky Hepburn bouncing back because early this season he has had his struggles. He's had a, you know he, he's been just the shooting hasn't been there yet for him. But if he warms up and you throw in the fact that, like Stephen Crowell struggled. In that game, only had eight points, and you need Hepburn to step up. Tyler Wall, I think, has been the guy who I've, I've been. It's been a lot of fun to watch because he's really shown that he's probably the leader of that team. Been more and, the, most, the most consistent, wouldn't you say? Yes. Oh, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. He really has been. So that's a that's a huge win, and then uh, you know, start conference play this week. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, speaking of uh, Wisconsin Marquette. You know, obviously, we we pay attention a lot to to Wisconsin volleyball, defending national champions. They advanced to the Sweet Sixteen, but hey, Marquette's also in the Sweet Sixteen for volleyball. So Wisconsin, well represented in the Sweet Sixteen for D one women's volleyball. It's the volley. It's the volleyball state. It is state of Wisconsin. So, yeah, I mean that women's volleyball team. Just to see how they just kind of you know go out there, did their work quick, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, and move on and then get to uh, host the regionals this weekend. And, and then props to Marquette as well. So, yeah, good, good. It's great for the state. And again, a, a sport that just continues to grow and not just in Wisconsin, but nationally. And Wisconsin's at the front end of that. Yep. Uh, Marquette's going to be taking on uh, Texas, which is a one seed on the 8th at uh, one thirty, And then Wisconsin. I mean, you, you, Wisconsin's played a lot of these teams. I mean, you got Minnesota still in. They're going up against Ohio State. Wisconsin's going up against Penn State. They're going to be uh, on, on the eighth as well at five o'clock. So, got a couple. The eighth, big day to if you're into volleyball all day, pretty much all day. Yeah, you can watch some great matches. So, Big Ten just oh, loaded, man. Great, yeah. And then you throw when you throw in USC and uh, 
US, UCLA in two years. Mm-hmm. Continue to grow. Family-owned and operated, Toyson Ford is proud to serve the drivers of the Chippewa Valley with some of the most popular vehicles around Wisconsin and the country. They're committed to giving drivers from across the area the best in customer service with a top-notch selection of brand-new vehicles to choose from, as well as an extensive inventory of pre-owned crossover SUV and trucks. Plus, with their expert finance, service, and parts centers in-house, they strive to be your one-stop dealership for all of your automotive needs. Visit them today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa falls you know shout out to our buddy brandon berg on friday justice i asked him for a couple predictions and lo and behold he nailed them on friday night too i asked <laughs> one of them was hey where do you think jacob Degrom's going to sign he said texas friday night where's he go texas and then i asked him hey where do you who do you think is going to be the starting right fielder for the brewers now that hunter renfro is not there is it going to be one of those guys from the uh from the farm system or somebody who's not on the team? And he said somebody who's not on the team. Well, then look, Colton Wong gets traded, and they bring in a, a Jesse Winker, a right fielder over there. That That's good case to be opening day starter. So shout out Brandenburg. All right, good job, Braden. He knows what he's doing, doesn't uh, he? Go, go buy a lottery ticket now there, sir. So, <laughs> But, uh, you know, we had heard a rumor uh, a couple weeks ago that the Mariners had called about Colton Wong. And uh, lo and behold, Friday night, Brewers did send Colton Wong to uh, to the Mariners for uh, we got uh, Jesse Winker, who you, if you remember, a longtime player for the Reds. Last year was with Seattle. I think his last year with the Reds, he had batted over three hundred and twenty-four home runs. Uh, Brewers also acquiring Abraham Toro, uh, switch hitting infielder there. So, you know, just his trickle down effect. I, I feel like this allows the Brewers now to put Luis Urias over there at second base and allows the Brewers to maybe focus on trying to find a power bat at third base. What what are your thoughts? I think it's it's a good trade for the Brewers. I really do. I think uh, you know you're you're trading. I don't think you're getting losing too much with Colton Wong for, you know. Mm-hmm. I think he's a solid veteran player such as Hunter Renfro was as well. But you you trade and get somebody with Jesse Winker who's younger, who's, you know, a little more easier probably salary-wise that you can control too. And a guy who is looking to bounce back. You know, last year hitting 219 in 136 games in Seattle after being an all-star the year before, kind of getting back to familiar territory in the NL Central. I think he's a guy that's a potential to turn it around in Milwaukee. So I think to me it's a good move. And not to, you know, discount what Colton Wong had done, but I think you move on to a little younger player and kind of just start moving the youth movement in here to see what you can do with, you know, Matt Arnold taking over in the front office, making his own mark. Yeah. Uh, I was reading a little bit uh, from Brewers.com from Adam McCulvey, and I think this is a good uh, little nugget on here. Uh, He said, but there isn't a team in baseball more aware than the Brewers that Winker is a better hitter than what uh, he did last year. He went to Seattle, a career 288, uh, 385, 504 hitter. Talk about slash lines. Including yeah. 344, 440, 591 in 32 games in Milwaukee. Among active opponents, only Nolan Arenado has a higher OPS in Milwaukee than Winker does. That's because Jay Bruce isn't playing anymore. <laughs> Good that put Yadier, Mo- Yadier Molina in there as well as a guy who just loves hitting against the Brewers at Miller Park. But yeah, when you've got a guy that hits well. Excuse me, Am Fam Field. It's been a while. Wow, yeah, that's the first yeah. time I've dropped that one down in a couple of years, but not a couple of years, probably a couple of months. But I mean, this is a guy who's he's only twenty eight years old. So you're you're getting a guy twenty nine now. He'll be this year. 
So there's plenty of time for him to turn it around, and I think uh, Brewer fans should be excited because if he, if he can turn back to that form that got him to be an all-star last a year ago, mm-hmm. and like you said, they know that he can hit 305, and the Brewers need somebody that can hit over 250. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just seems like you know if you can get over that 250 threshold, I think he's the guy who can do it. And we got to remember the shift's going to be gone. Yep. And hopefully that's going to bring up these batting averages and give these guys a little with a little more back control a chance to do more. So I think he's a good fit for the Brewers. Doesn't strike out a lot. I mean, 103 strikeouts, 136 games, but that's this day and age in the in Major League Baseball, less than a strikeout a game is uh is pretty doing good. pretty good. So yeah, I think this is a good move for the Brewers, and uh, I I don't think it's the last move for the Brewers. We'll see before uh, March and spring training. And you know, you mentioned the the banning of the shift too for for offense, but I wonder too with with the defensive thing. You put maybe if you put like a Luis Urias or is it a Bryce Terang over at second base, somebody maybe with a little bit more speed and a little bit more you know ability to to cover some ground because you know they they've they've got that restricted sort of thing where they can't move the shift. So maybe could that be part of the thinking a little bit there too, going a little bit younger. I think it's going to be good because it's going to make defense more important. Mm-hmm. Back to kind of how it used to be. Range is going to be more important. I don't think you're going to see the days of Travis Shaw you know, playing Travis second base. Shaw playing second base. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I was going with that one yep. right away. I think you're going to see, like, you're going to have to be back to these traditional infielders that can move left to right and, and get to balls because you're not going to have that kind of that extra backup there. So, yeah, I think when you got these athletic, the more athletic can go. And Jesse Winker's a big guy, too. Mm-hmm. You know, 6'3, 215. But can move, so it's like having a middle linebacker out there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like he's a, he's a big dude, so yeah, I think it's going to be fun to watch and just hopefully see if this, you know, again the shift what this is going to do for even like a guy like Christian Yelich too. Mm-hmm. See if he kind of can get back to where he was at because he was, you know, he was hitting the ball to all fields last year a little bit more, especially towards you know in the second half of the season, so. Yeah, you throw Jesse Winker in there, and I think it, it, it should improve this Brewers offense. And uh, we've got winter meetings uh, this week, so I, I, I would expect, uh, maybe not from the Brewers side, but Major League Baseball side, maybe some more moves being made and some big contracts being signed. Right, maybe some smaller moves, mm-hmm. like you know, just kind of minor league trades or something like that, but that's where the work gets done. You get face-to-face meetings like that, you can't be surprised that something's going to happen. Yeah, that's as you just said, those are maybe when some of those conversations start or really start to pick up a little bit, too. Because so, that's, uh, was it December when Yelich and Kane were traded? To, yeah. To, I think so, yeah. So. It's like kind of a stunner. Like, cause it was, mm-hmm. They were doing their like winter, not caravan, but whatever they do, their big winter fest thing. Oh, a fan fest, yeah, fan fest, and yeah. that they signed them like the two days before or the day of or something like that. So that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's... We need to see if they could do something, pull off something like that again. Mm-hmm. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, and a reminder: never miss an episode of the Man Cave Podcast by subscribing to the Man Cave Podcast. We're already on your favorite podcasting platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. And don't forget to give us a solid rating, too. That way other people can find the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and we'll see you in the Man Cave.